Welcome to the One Church Home podcast. This podcast is directly tied to our weekly teachings. If OCH isn't your home church, we encourage you to get plugged into your local body. We pray this sermon blesses you as we press into the Word of God together. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Well, we have set out on a journey. Uh, if you're new with us today, welcome to the launch team. We are uh, in preparation, kind of closing in weeks away from moving into our very first house as a church. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys are on our team. So it's been an incredible journey and, and, and doesn't discount. I, I hesitate to say launch team because we've had a launch team. There was 50 people in our living room that, that helped launch this church. We, we were sent by an amazing church. We, we had this incredible opportunity and God just blessed it because a bunch of people gathered together, prayed their guts out, walked in the will and ways of God and navigated a complex series of years to arrive at this moment where all of a sudden we've come together and we've gone, hey, God has built his church. And we, and we went, wow, this is incredible. And like, we're gonna need a, a place to gather out here. And so we you know, looked at everywhere, looked at every opportunity, tried to, I, I thought Dirt Chief was for sale. Turns out it was just messy and <laughs> it was embarrassing. <laughs> Brittany gets it. But we came to this moment where we said, we got we to gotta have our own house, right? We're going to have to gather together as the body. We got to have a, have a place that's ours. And, and we weren't building this church because, or we're building this building because we were uh, trying to get more people to come. We have to, to house the people that God's already brought. And, and so we, we've been excited about that. And we've been, been pumped up about having that new house. But this year has been a year of building the church, not just building a facility, but building up kind of who we are and what we're about. That's been the vision of this year. We've set out with our bylaws at a governance level to, to make sure we're stewarding that well. We're, we're working as a staff and culture to make sure that's all clarified and, and what we're here to do and what we're about. And we've started now to introduce in these last few weeks here at Westwood before we move into our new space kind of unveiling to our, our community a clarifying effort about, about what we are uniquely called to do here at One Church Home. What is our, our mission and how do we accomplish that? Because again, there's no shortage of, of good opportunities in the kingdom of God. Does anybody have a busy schedule? You know there's a lot of opportunities to do stuff that, there's a lot of opportunities to do Christian things, right? There's, there's tons of places and, and things we could do and, and, and events we could hold. You know, it's like there's lots of them that, that happen all around us. But, but we needed to clarify what are we about and what has God called us to do? What is the mission of this house so that we without question know when we're hitting the right target? And so, so we've, we've shared with this community, we shared a few weeks ago, that our mission is, is to empower people to live the abundant life in Jesus Christ. And then we've spent the last three weeks looking at, at the empowering life that 
Jesus calls us to, and last week, Pastor Steve did a fantastic job of talking about how it can be done without the unction and power and the filling of the Holy Spirit empowering and animating our every moment. And so we, we don't do this in some effort to just be knowledgeable. We're doing it in an effort to go, God, we got to be spirit-filled to do the things you're calling us to. And it's the very nature of who God is to empower his people. And so then, now what we want to do is kind of shift again and look and go, okay, so if, if we're here to empower people, if the church exists to empower people to live the abundant life, then what do we mean when we say abundant life? Right? Because we could mean lots of things. Well, well, the way we determine that is, well, you know, if you come in here and, 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 and you get so excited, you run around the room a few times, you're living the abundant life. It's like, that's not actually what we mean. Well, if, if you come and you have a great experience and you, and you get really emotional in a service because the music is really loud, that's the abundant life. It's like, that's not what we mean. What we mean is a very specific and very focused definition of the abundant life. And we've called it the abundant life cycle. That every believer, everything we do as a church has to fit into one of these four categories. That everything that the church is about, if we're pointing people toward the abundant life, needs to land in kind of one of these four buckets. It starts with an encounter with God. That, that, that if we lose sight of that, if we miss that, 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 that we have to have an encounter with God every single week, every single day, every opportunity we can. We need encounters with God as the body of Christ. Then it has a moment where you go from, first you have an encounter with God, then you need to grow deeper with God. You know, there's, there's been this common thread around, around Christianity lately where we just want to bear the fruits without any of the roots. We want to have all the, all the, the fame and all the, the wonder and all the glory and all the good, but we don't want to do anything it takes to get there. And so the body of Christ at some point has to stop worrying about what the outward presentation is and start thinking about what is the inward transformation that needs to happen before I ever worry about going out there. So we've got to have an encounter with God. Then we've got to start growing deeper in our faith and growing roots. Then we've got to build a community around us because you weren't meant to do this alone. And so it starts with an encounter, it grows deeper, then a community gets built, and then it catapults outward, and from that place, we say this term, we're going to go change the world. And, and, and that's not some hyperbole. It's not something that I'm shouting up here and we're putting on hats and candles because we're like, we just want to get people jacked up and, and think, it's like, no, the gospel is afforded us the opportunity to say, man, if God wanted us just to live, live a quiet, peaceful life that, that no, never ruffles the, the waters and doesn't get out there and make a difference, then why didn't he just take us home? Answer that question. If he doesn't want you to be active and doing something, why didn't he just take us home in the in the beginning, why didn't we just all like get saved, bam, rapture? I'm not sure the logic there. I'm not a philosopher, but I think that would have worked. He could have just, 
It means there's something, some purpose for the body of Christ here on the earth. And that we're not supposed to leave here the way we found it. That's I tell my kids the opposite of that. But the truth is, is we're not supposed, I don't want the world to look the same when I go to heaven. I want to make a difference. And it is my conviction that every single one of you have the same call of God on your life. That the church is not supposed to sit back on idle, uh, you know, in, in neutral while the world goes to hell in a handbasket. We are the light of the world. And so at some point, we've got to go, man, it's all four of these. And, and when someone experiences, they come to one church home, they have an encounter with God, they start growing deeper in their faith, they build a community of like-minded believers, and they catapult out to start changing the world. We have said that is a measurable way to know that they are living the abundant life. So now we have an actual fixed aim to go, that's our target and our guide. It's how we measure what we do and don't do, what opportunities we, we have, and we go, man, that's a good opportunity, but is it a God opportunity? Because if it doesn't fit in one of those four buckets, it doesn't happen here. And so for us, it's, it's so pivotal that we, calling you again, whether it's your first Sunday or you've been here since the first launch team, as we launch into this new season, that we're like-minded and in one accord, shooting at the right target, understanding that, that when we all have this same mindset of, of providing encounters with God, growing deeper with God, building community with other believers, and then changing the world, then we all have a, a mission in alignment, and we know where we're going, and we know how to win. And, and I think as, as if we... If we grab a hold of this as the church today, we would see a transformed world. Because so often we think, you know, well, I think that the goal for church, you know, targets matter. I don't know if you've heard this story. There's a, an Olympic marksman. I think they ski a little bit. This wasn't a, a thing I did, but ski, shoot at a target, who came up with this stuff? This guy's great, you know, he's some, some profound Olympian, you know, he's, he's won gold several times. And this guy skis up to the final alley lane to, to shoot the target. He's out in the lead, he's gonna win the gold. He shoots, fist pumps, believing, knowing he saw through the scope that he hit a bullseye, perfect bullseye, winning the Olympic gold. There's chatter on the radios. Everybody's checking the targets. They go, something's not right. Something like, these guys miss by millimeters. There's not even a hole in the target. And he thought he hit the target. And it turns out he hit a perfect bullseye in the lane next to him. I think they still gave him bronze. But it's a fascinating story. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating picture of how the church could be out doing what we're called to do, being who we're called to be. And if we're not shooting at the right target, we can hit a bullseye in the wrong lane. We, we can miss our thing, our calling, our destiny, our mission, because we're all shooting at different targets. But man, what happens when we take the, 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 the passion, the, 
the fervor, the, the love, the, the community, the encounters, and we target and funnel it all at the same target, and we hit the target we're after, we will see the world transformed. And so, beloved, it's so important as we, as we think about these things. I'm not just telling you this because I want to, you know, have a teaching class up here today. We're about to get into the Word, but I want us to be on the same page of, of what we're trying to do. Everything about One Church Home is about empowering people to live the abundant life. The way the abundant life is lived is through having an encounter with God, growing deeper in your faith, building a community of faith, and then going out and changing the world. And so today, and over the next couple weeks, I want to look at encounters with God and what it does in the human life. I want to look today at a familiar guy named Moses. Some of you might have heard of him. Wasn't as funny as I thought. <laughs> Moses is a huge figure in our faith. He accomplished so much. He has a fascinating story. And I want to look at him, though, from a specific perspective. That's hard to say too fast. But Moses, I, I'm not trying to to look at these three moments in his life and, and give complete commentary, right? These are beautiful stories there. There's so much we can learn about them. But I want to look from a certain point of view today. What happens to a human when they come face to face with God? Because at the end of the day, the word encounter, you know, we use that word all the time, but, but it actually means it means that you, that you had a, a fa an unexpected face to face coming together of. And you go, man, that's, that's pretty fascinating. In a guy like Moses' life, when I think about the scriptures, I, I was under the impression, I'm sitting there thinking, man, Moses, he had lots of encounters with God. I mean, this guy saw so much happen. He saw, but how many times did Moses get face to face with God? How many times did he get, have an encounter with God? The shocking reality for me is it was only three. There was three specific moments where, where he encountered God and every one of those encounters had a distinct and measurable transformation that took place in his life. And, and, and you see, Moses is a guy that, that comes from a pretty wild history, like his, his context. He's a, he's a Jewish boy. He gets floated down the river. He gets, he gets taken up by Pharaoh's daughter. He's raised in the, in the, in the Pharaoh's house of Egypt. And one day he's walking through, and I'm really expediting this story, but he's walking through and, and he sees one of his, his Hebrew brothers getting whipped and he says, not today. And he ends up killing the guy, the, the Egyptian, that, that was whipping his, his Hebrew brother unjustly. And from that point, he gets marked and he runs out and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's on the run and he's hunted and, and, and he's, he's bound for kind of a life of brokenness, a life on the run, nothing's making sense. He's adopted, and then he's hunted. He's alone and he's afraid, and given the circumstances, he's not on a trajectory that's going to take him down a life of purpose, even though what he did was righteous and holy, right? Like to fight for the people that were being hurt, he, he stood up against the 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 the, the Aggressors, and yet still, 
he's not, there's not a lot of hope for him. And he finds himself out in the wilderness and he has an encounter with God. In, Moses, in Exodus chapter three, verses one through 22. I'm not gonna read it all for time's sake, but it's this picture, it's an image where he's out there and, and he's figuring out what to do. He's, he's afraid. It says that he looked and behold, there was a bush burning with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside and looked, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he, God said, Don't, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. And he continues down this conversation where he calls Moses into a life of purpose and a life of, 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 of intentionality where he begins to give Moses the instructions of going in and setting his, God's people free. He, he, he gives him this supernatural calling from a, from a bush burning in the presence of God, meeting him right there. This encounter with God transformed his life and then pushed him in a trajectory that was totally different than, in, than expected. It infused in him this courageous calling, something that he didn't think he could do. I mean, in fact, he's arguing with God. God, I can't do that. I, can, I can't do, what, what do you mean? I, I can't possibly do what you're asking me to do. But, a, but an encounter infused courageous calling in his life. This man goes from hiding in the shadows for the rest of his life, for being used by God to bring freedom and leadership to God's chosen people, all from an encounter. And he gets this realization that even though he's ill-equipped, even though he's not, he's not talented enough, even though he's not, he's not perfect for the job, that he's called by God. And church, it's imperative that we all step into this a little bit and start asking the question of our own life. What have we, what have you been called by God to do? You might not have had a, a burning bush moment, but, but there's been an encounter, right? Something's drawn you to, 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 to forgo brunch and show up at a church building in, a, in an elementary school in Fairview, Tennessee, like You've had an encounter with God, but what is the call of God that it marked on your life? And it's our job in this season to, to evoke that calling back to life. We need to know what is it that God has called us to do individually and corporately because I promise you God did not call you to live a mediocre, boring Christian life. I know for a fact he didn't call you to be a placeholder. He didn't call you to, 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 you know, that there's everybody's here for the scene, but you just kind of be there. You're a part of the crowd. He didn't call you to blend in. So the question is, what has he called you to do? And, 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 and what, what kind of encounter do you need to have with him in order to solidify that and to start walking in it? Because, beloved, the church doesn't need to be 
Just fill spaces. We don't need to just exist in life. We're called to do something. And Moses received that call and an encounter in the desert. The next encounter he has is another pretty big monumental moment in history. You'll remember in Exodus chapter 20, he has another encounter where he gets with God and God tells him this little piece. Exodus 20, 1 through 17. God spoke these things during the encounter. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall make for yourself no uh, carved image. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that's in heaven or above. And that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children in the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands and to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in, six, in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land, which is the Lord your God has given to you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant or his female servant or his ox, nor his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. If you're not familiar with that, that is the Ten Commandments. So all of a sudden, Moses goes from a guy in the wilderness running from, from those who, who are coming after him to being called by God to set the people free, to go and march into Pharaoh's office and say, I need you to let these people go. And then, and then the plagues and all that came with it and the coming out and, and the splitting of the Red Sea. I mean, all the experiences that happen. And as they're in the wilderness, we see he receives from God an encounter with God. What first was a calling, now he solidifies and clarifies an eternal legacy. Because all of a sudden, now Moses isn't just some guy that did some great things. He is the human being whom God gave the law of God. Now, whether you're a big fan of the law or not, you know, it's a pretty important piece of our history. It's the tutor, it's the guide, it's, it's the righteous revelation of the character of God displayed on the earth. And Moses got to be a part of delivering that to, to humanity, forever instilling him as one of the most influential men in all of history because of an encounter. 
God gave Moses his law. See, this encounter changed everything. The law is the mirror, and it stops men from being justified in the flesh. It teaches the need of a worthy atonement. This encounter, Moses gets to participate in one of the most significant moments in history where he received God's law, his standard, his righteous expectations for the world. See, encountering God clarified what Moses' calling was and submitted his legacy on the earth forever. And, and, and listen, the law is not all about Moses. I'm just, we're looking from this perspective this morning. That's a, it's a pretty wild moment in this man's life. And number three, the third encounter is a, it's another fascinating one. So Moses started as a guy, obviously he's cared about people. He, he, he's fighting on behalf of his Hebrew brothers He goes and he receives the law. And then as we fast forward to Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14, where we find ourselves at this final encounter. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf. It's like, that was like one of the first things I said not to do. And they've worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And they said, this is your little G God, O Israel, that I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord had said to Moses, I have seen this people. And indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Listen to this. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them. And I may consume them. And I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them and to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm of your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as stars in the heaven and all this land I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and there they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from harm, which he said and he would do to his people. You see, the third encounter is an encounter of bold compassion where he actually turns to God and he says, God, I like, if you read on in this story, you're going to realize Moses is about to lay it down on these people. He goes on and he melts the calf down and he says, hey, you're all going to drink it. <laughs> like that's, he doesn't let them off the hook. This isn't somehow saying, oh, well, well, it's okay to, to, to sin. It's okay. He's not justifying any of that. He simply has a heart of compassion for people and a compassion for God. And he says, God, don't let your, 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 your anger burn against them. And then everybody's going to say this and that. And, and listen, did God need Moses to actually be merciful? No, but, but think about what as a human being, right? Like let's, just think about just you and God alone together having an encounter. And he looks at you 
He says, Randy, it's a stiff-necked people. I'm burning them all down and I'm starting over with you. Something in you kind of goes, <laughs> me? <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's, a, that's an incredibly wild moment and yet an encounter with God. Because when you're having an encounter with God, you don't need what the world tells you you need. Right? So the world would say, if God's willing to burn everybody else down and start over with you, that's something to be proud of. But when you're having an encounter with God, you realize, I don't need the heart and affection of men. All I care about is me and God being together. And so I can have a compassion for others. I can look to other people. I can love other people. I can actually ask God to relent of his, of his anger toward, even though his anger is justified and right, and, and he would have been totally justified in wiping everybody out and starting over with Moses. He says, no, man, I, I'm asking you, God, don't do that, and God relents. And so this encounter with God reveals something about us, that when we, ah, I'm struggling for the words here, it's like when, when we have an encounter with him, the ways of this world grow strangely dim. We don't have to, we remember, it's like there's so many things that motivate us and drive us and, and keep us bound because even in the church, we, we try to operate in a worldly sense and, and God's saying, no, 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 no. If you have an encounter with me, if we regularly and often step into the presence of God for an unexpected face-to-face -face moment together, the things that drive us in this world will, will fall away and the supernatural compassion, grace, love of God will fill our lives and operate through our lives that we'll start to be having a, a meaningful experiences with, with people because I don't come to all my relationships needing something from you. Why? Because I'm filled. I have everything I need, so I don't have to come to you and go, please just give me more. Give me more attention, more time, more energy. I, I just, you know, like, is anybody, you know, I know none of you are in this room, but it's like you've been around somebody that's just kind of a, I'm gonna get an email, a leech? They just soak up your life and you're like, man, I'm, uh, my energy is just flying in one direction. It's like, no, because I don't have to need of anyone else when I'm encountering God. And so, beloved, this is a moment. This is, a, this is the driving force. It's why encounters matter. He didn't respond by making light of sin. He puts the smack down on the people later on, but he has a heart for the people. He advocates for the broken and he asks God to show mercy because only encountering God will change us and change us from the influence and power and the hooks of this world and make us operate differently. So we start to care about others more than we care about ourselves and esteem them. Doesn't that sound familiar? more highly than we do ourselves. You see, we want to empower people to live the abundant life here at One Church Home. 
And the first part of that life is having encounters with God, whether that be a Sunday morning or the Wednesday night or a, or a prayer time together or, or some prayer meeting up in the loft or, or whatever, however, whenever. We want to have, have encounters with God in that new facility and we want to have encounters with God as the body of Christ because encounters with God transform the world because they transform the heart. And so as we start to do things and, and change things and have things, please, God, don't see it as so, oh, like, I promise you, if we could do less, human nature, so like, it'd be great. Like, let's do as little as possible and get them out. I don't want to have more services and have to go do more things, but I want more encounters with God. And so when we say, hey, here's a new opportunity here at One Church Home, the point isn't that we just needed to fill the schedule with something else. It's, why are we going to add a midweek service? It's because we need to have another encounter. Why are we going to have, have such a purposeful kids ministry? Because they need an encounter. The church needs to continue often and always encounter God. And when we do, our lives will be transformed forever and then we will be catapulted to change this world. So we're gonna continue down this path and continue to unpack this in the weeks to come. But I want you to go back. I want you to explore Moses Look at the transformations in his life and then start considering what's the calling God's put on my life and what encounters do I need to pursue? How should I, God, maybe you just need to get alone in your prayer closet and have an encounter with him. Amen. And you need to start talking to him and saying, God, what's my purpose here? What's my calling here? What's, what's and what am I supposed to do? Because you're not supposed to sit idly by and fill a chair. You're meant to live your abundant life through the body of Christ. So come. Amen, somebody? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for the moments we share. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave your only begotten son to us as a fulfillment of the promise all the way back to the garden. And it's because of that sacrifice that we've been made right with you and now we can look back upon the entirety of your word and say, God, look at how it shows us how to live this life. Lord, we long for another encounter, for more encounters, not just in a building, but individually, corporately, nationally, and globally. God, come and have your way. Mobilize your church. And would you start revival and awakening right here, right now? We bless you and honor you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a fantastic week. If you're new with us, visit with a pastor out in the lobby. We'd love to say hello.